Hello, everybody. Welcome to I Hear I See Radio. This is episode 112. I Hear I See began as a concert series, a free monthly concert series back in 2009. The radio show started back in 2017. Uh, and now I'm reduced to this, just speaking <laughs> to people in my home via Zoom. <laughs> Actually, I'm having a good time doing it. I just like to uh, frame it as like, I have to just do this now. I can't do anything I want anymore. My name You're is Justin, and I'm joined today by a brand new guest to the series. I've got Ellie Hoffmeyer with me today. Hello. Uh, and, yeah, speaking of Zoom, since uh, I'm doing this via Zoom now, I've been recording videos. Those are available on the I Hear I See Patreon. It's patreon.com slash I Hear I See. You can get that for just a dollar a month. And the money that you spend there allows me to pay people for their time to do shows like this with me or hopefully someday to do live shows again. Maybe maybe in the next calendar year. We'll see. God willing. God willing. <laughs> But uh, otherwise, you're just stuck with the audio, which is also going to be pretty good, I I assume. It usually (laughs) is. Sweet. (laughs) All right, so let's introduce today's guest. I said her real name, which is Ellie Hoffmeyer, but I'm going to check out her bandcamp now, which is pennypeachjr.bandcamp.com, and it says here, Penny Peach, and then the junior is in parentheses, is a (laughs) DIY princess based in Iowa City. She credits Ty Siegel and Ella Fitzgerald as being her greatest inspirations. And we got a quote here from Elizabeth Moen. (laughs) Her band is this perfect combination of jazz, maybe even hints of old country, but it's indie, intense, loud, kind of indie punk vibes. And I assume, Ellie, since you put that on your band camp, that you co-sign those descriptions. All the genres. (laughs) <laughs> all the genres <laughs> yeah yeah you want to cover as many as possible why not <laughs> so uh one thing right off the bat since the junior is parenthesized in that little mm-hmm. bio there let's talk about your stage name i know you yeah. used to just go by leh right Mm-hmm. that's accurate and when did you start using the name penny peach oh god i feel like it was probably like a year ago so a year ago, yeah, the LEH was just, just a little, just a little bit lazy. Um, it's you not know, flashy I think enough in the, for you. Not flashy enough. <laughs> I think in the back of my head, I was like, oh yeah, this sounds sick. But it was just because like Dana T was back there somewhere oh, sure. and I love Dana T and I just didn't even think about it consciously. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was like, no, I need to. And, you know, having a different moniker from, like, your own name kind of, like, allows you to pursue the character more. Sure. Um, which it's separate I think is from fun. your, your yeah. real personality, or can be. Yeah, which is just fun. It's just fun. So how'd you settle on the name Penny Peach? Um, so that's actually my mom's maiden name, is Penny Peach. Nice. It's spelled different, but I'm like, gosh... What an iconic name. Um, so, yeah, the junior, you know, Penny Peach Jr. Oh, you're her daughter, I am, so. <laughs> I am her daughter, so I am the junior. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it came, it came about pretty easily. And I just like the way, you know, the double Ps, 
Yes, the alliteration. The way it looks, the way it looks, it has a good look to it. So just mm-hmm. worked out. Yeah. So are you keeping the junior? You've got it in parentheses <laughs> there. <laughs> I like never can decide. I'm like, is it too much? I kind of like, uh, I kind of like switching up. You know, like the OCs. Sure. It'll be like OCs or VOCs <laughs> or you know the different spellings. It's like, well, I don't know what's going on, but I love it. Yeah, so. and you're pretty young, so maybe eventually you'll like settle into one of the names. You'll end yeah. up, you'll end yep. up like hitting it big, going by one name, and then you're just you have to leave it the same going I'll forward. Just be, yeah, I think that <laughs> happens to people. So, uh, I mean, the reason I invited you on the show, aside from your musical career, uh, we did a podcast together. Mm-hmm. A f- few months ago now time passes differently in our current reality but uh you've been hosting best show ever produced by the angler theater for a while now when did you start doing that i think it was like in june Mm kind of after we like really realized that we weren't going to be able to do shows for a while at the angler and it's like oh we need another way to deliver on our mission of you know, inspiring local art, creating community through art. So the podcast was born. Mm-hmm. And you uh, were employed by the Angler prior to that. So mm-hmm. this was like your something new you could do to keep your yeah, job. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and what That's is your awesome. job title there? Um, I am the marketing engagement coordinator. Um, basically, I was on the marketing team and I kind of just wore a lot of hats, especially like when it came to festivals like Witching Hour and Mission Creek, which never actually happened, but it was mostly just helping out the marketing team and then kind of trying to find creative ways to tell the story of community arts and like what an, a nonprofit arts venue does for people. So that was sort of my thing, which I'm so basically, it's basically the same thing. Now I just host a podcast. Yeah, there just aren't festivals now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so whose idea was the podcast? How did this begin? Um, I believe it was the brainchild of Andre Perry and John Chickendance, uh, mm-hmm. who are my bosses. And yeah, they just came to me and said, we're thinking about making this podcast. You know, we want Savannah to do this and Claire to do this and, you know, Red to do this and we want you to be the host. And I was like, well... Sign me up. Let's do it. <laughs> Just talk to cool people f- as a job. Say yeah. less. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> and what's, I guess, like the concept of the show? Who are you talking to and what are you talking to them about? Yeah, so the show has a few different segments. Um, the namesake of the show, the best show ever segment, is we talk to people in the Iowa City community, and it doesn't have to necessarily be arts-affiliated people. It's just anyone, you know, a driver, a store owner, a nonprofit worker, what have you, and we just ask them about their favorite live event they've seen in Iowa City and just kind of try to extract, you know, not only what it meant to them, but, like, what it meant for that event to happen at Iowa City in a certain period of Iowa City, you know, what was the context? How has the city changed? You know, try to just 
you know, gets historical context as well as like just a meaningful story from someone who was changed by a live show or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's good that and you then, keep it positive, like only the best. You don't only want the, the best, stories. not the worst, never the worst. <laughs> yeah. And then we it also cool, have like actually, you know, I'm just thinking now it would be cool if you did like like a special episode where somebody describes the worst show worst they've show been ever. to. Yeah, you can do kind of like a uh, maybe do it for Halloween. That could or be something juicy. <laughs> that could be juicy. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's almost easier to think about. Like whenever we ask people what their best show ever is, they're like, "Oh, what a horribly difficult question!" Like there's right. so many, but I feel like if you ask the worst show ever, people would just be like, "Okay, got it." Um, <laughs> it was this time. It sucked. I lost a tooth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say we also interview artists and arts workers as part of the show too, and just kind of see what they've been up to and how pandemic life has affected their work. And it's like, I think part of the vision is like having like an archive of, you know, like what it was like, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like, instead of like keeping a journal, like we have this podcast that's a, a historical document of right. what people's lives were like, while well, we've been going yeah, assuming pandemic. assuming that at some point this will life won't be like this again, and we can yeah. <laughs> look back, God willing, and, <laughs> yeah, see how we thought about it then. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's turn the tables a little bit. You're used to talking to people and asking them what they've been doing over the past few months, mm-hmm. uh, which is what you did with me. I believe it was episode seven of your show that I was on. Sounds about right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm going to ask you the questions that you asked me. Fun. Well, I don't remember exactly what you asked me, but the general kind of (laughs) subject matter. (laughs) Sure. So what have you been doing uh, creatively over the past few months? Um, yeah, so before the pandemic, I was pretty used to just doing shows nonstop all the time, whether it was like my shows with Iowa Women's Jazz Orchestra, Jazz Trio, Elizabeth Moen, Anthony Warden, there was like every weekend was something or five things. You work with a lot of different people. Yeah, and it was awesome. It was so much fun. Every day was different. I love to travel, hang out with all those people. Um. But then, you know, Avi, I don't do any of that now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've gotten into home recording a little bit, which I've always wanted to do. Um, I bought a MIDI recorder that's next to me. I started learning how to use my oh, yeah. audio nice. interface. That's a, is that a Personas I see there? Yeah. Nice. This one's actually my partner's. I have another one, too. Um <laughs> Yeah, trying to learn how to play guitar more. I just bought a new amp. Um, So it's a lot of, like, exploration on my own, learning to record on my own, and then also a lot of recording in my friend Kipel Howarth's studio. He has a home studio, so I have been over there a bajillion times just recording songs um which will hopefully come to see the light of day here pretty soon so yeah just a lot of recording 
pretty much. Well, that seems like it's maybe been kind of a blessing then. You have all this time to yourself now. It has been, because I've been, for I don't know how many years, been saying like, yeah, like I'm going to have recorded stuff soon, but I've always just been so intimidated by the learning curve that is like recording your own music and i'm Mm -hmm. still like insanely novice at it um but it is also like becoming comfortable with collaborating with someone in that way because i'm not very good at collaborating with people but you know i've gotten so comfortable working with capel that you know it's finally like there's a workflow Mm -hmm. of like going over there all the time and being able to be like, no, I don't like that. Like, you know, that's that's the sort of thing, like, I struggled with before. Like, if I was recording with other people, people would be like, oh, I love this. Let's do this. It's so cool. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll just do it. Yeah. But with more Capel, comfortable I can... voicing your own preferences. Yeah. But with Capel, I can just be like, mm, I don't really want to do that. And then he could be like, okay, what if we did this? And I'll be like, oh, that's sick, dude. Let's do that. Let's crank it. <laughs> you know, I think, and I, and I just, our tastes are very similar. And yeah, we're just beyond him, like being my producer, we're just like really good friends. So it's been working out. It has been working out. I do miss doing the shows a lot. At the beginning of the pandemic, before I realized what uh, actual big deal it was, I'm like, mm-hmm. a break. Yes. Just give me a break. <laughs> I need a break. I'm so busy. I'm tired of this. I felt kind and of the I'm same. Like, yeah. Now it's like a be careful what you wish for sort of situation. Um, yeah. The first but, couple of weeks, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to not do anything now. Yeah. I'm like, I but secretly then, wanted this all along. But then... <laughs> time stretched on and i hadn't done anything for months <laughs> the grass thought, is always greener on the other side i thought side, i could be so. in that mode for just like just take a couple weeks off right but then i really liked not doing anything <laughs> right but then reality struck yeah not doing anything forever see no one never see the sun it's yeah. <laughs> tough <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't see the video, Ellie is showing me some scissors. <laughs> Just bringing some props out. It's yeah, it's cool. To help illustrate my points. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, home recording. Uh, have you been doing that in the room that I see you in now? Yep, literally exactly where I'm sitting, which it's, you know, not very treated to, um, you know, work to be a recording space, but I'm just like, this is my desk. This is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been using this, you can't see, a little tiny amp for way too long, so I got a big a big one. This is my MIDI recorder, it's right here, I can just mm-hmm. go over here like this, bada bing. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty simple, but it's more to me right now just learning to use a DAW, um, learning recording techniques... I didn't know literally anything about mixing three or four months ago. So, like, learning about that. A lot of YouTube videos, really, mm-hmm. more than anything. Lots yeah, the only real way to learn that kind of stuff is just doing it. Yeah. Yeah, makes a huge difference just, like, trying to do it first and then being mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Let's try to figure out what this yeah. means and type it into YouTube and then they show you and then you go back in and... Because, like, 
yeah, before I, you know, I thought I would learn how to do it and then start doing it. It's just like, no, nah, you, you really just got to throw yourself into the fire. Mm-hmm. That's more fun that way. You and don't like know the what whole... you don't know how to do until you try to do it. Exactly. And you feel like you have a more of a stake in it, too, when you're trying to do it. Because, like, when I was recording with Capel at first, you know, I would watch him do stuff and be like, oh, like, I'm learning. I'm watching how he does this. But then when I came home and was trying to do it on my own, I, I didn't get anything out of just watching him. I, I just had I had to just do this stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been a fun journey. Well, I've got your Bandcamp page pulled up, which I believe, I assume some of these songs are the ones that you've recorded recently. With uh... Um, I don't know if... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any of them are with Capel. Oh, well, yeah, some of them. I like know the for sure I... the last one has his name on it. The one you yeah. released just like a few days ago. Yeah, so that was like, that's like the first one where I really mostly just did it all on my own. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I actually really like this. And I want it, I want to just take it a little bit further so that it can hold its own, especially if. And, you know, being compared to the other songs that Capel and I have been working on at in his studio. So I, like, I did all of it, replayed all the instruments, sang, got it all in. Um, and the DAW I'm using, you can only use eight tracks, which mm-hmm. is kind of sucks, but it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to see what you can do with just eight tracks. Yeah, limitations so I did all that. can yeah, push you in a different challenge direction. Challenge you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did all that, and then I just took it to Capel to do some mixing stuff. I ended up re-recording the guitar because just this amp is... I just can't get the sounds I want out of this amp. And then it was kind of fun because Capel just happened to have a friend, Sam Farrell, over. Um, and they were just hanging out, and then I went over to like finish mixing it. And Sam was just, like, sitting there, and he just, like, happens to play guitar, and he's, like, picking up a guitar, and he's like, oh, like, what are the chords for this? Like, this is cool. Like, this sounds like this artist. And so I was just like, well, are you, like, trying to lay something down right now? Or... (laughs) (laughs) So then he ended up, we ended up tracking um, a solo for him, which was just serendipitous and fun, and... Is that him, like, um, at the end of the track? Yeah, yeah. He's just squealing and going ham, so... That was fun. And like in my head I wanted this to be a song where I'm playing all the instruments just to have one to say like look mother truckers. Yeah, I can do it, okay? Yeah, I did this all by myself. <laughs> I did this all by myself. <laughs> but then Sam just happened to be there and like I loved what he was like noodling. I'm like this is just too, you know. This is the gods telling us that you need to lay down, so just lay down on this. <laughs> Serendipity so it was. That he happened to be there. It, precisely, precisely. And the song we're talking about is What Do You Want From Me, which is mm-hmm. the most recently released track on Ellie's uh, Bandcamp page. He just put mm-hmm. this out on the 9th. Yep. Uh, let's go back a bit further. Like, when did you start writing this? Like, where did the song come from? Oh, I actually started writing this my junior year because i remember being in my tiny ass room um 
And it really just started as it's, it, I mean, it's literally just like three notes repeated over and over again. And it's just because mm-hmm. I just can't play guitar and I extra couldn't play guitar then very well. So it was just like, oh, yeah, this, I can do this. This is, and it just sounds a little spooky. And then I just had it in the back pocket for a really long time. And then, you know, when I, like, came to sit down, I'm like, okay, I want to, like, work on something, recording something. How about this song? It's super easy. And then when I sat down to start recording it, I was, like, just messing around on my MIDI controller. And then, you know, there's a piano sound. I'm like, oh, this sounds really cool. So then I, like, start playing with that. And then, you know, I found some other sort of, like, weird wind sounding like crazy ambient sounds so I started playing around with that and then um I had worked on the guitar solo for my no touching sessions already had that so Mm, it just sort of accumulated over time just when I like just sat down with it yeah do you mind if I dig into the lyrics a little bit oh sure (laughs) okay since you have them listed here you're (laughs) out One of those people who puts a lot of info on your Bandcamp page, which is nice. Am I? Cool. I mean, a lot of people, they just like upload the music and then no credits, no <laughs> lyrics or anything. But Oh, right. With you, it's well, like... Well, I want to make I, sure everyone gets credited. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, the lyrics. I'll just recite them to you. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. What do you want from me? Because it seems you want it all. You want everything. Packaged in a waist size small. What do you want from me? Because my ego doesn't fit inside a Barbie doll or in skin tight dresses. I love this as a little spoken word performance. It's dope. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, um, it's basically like world, the patriarchy. Mm hmm. I'm not naturally skinny. (laughs) Why do you want me to feel like I need to be? I don't know. Kind of basically or like just being frustrated with all the attention that I feel like I have to give to my appearance. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what it was. And this was sort of a time when I was like, had a mild eating disorder slightly. Um, So that was kind of like, you know, just kind of reckoning with that, like, I know this isn't good for me, but I'm doing it anyways, because I feel the pressure, the, like, unspoken subliminal pressure to, like, just, like, be skinny and hot. And it's never really been, you know, a big interest, but, you know, at this time, I just felt the pressure extra. I guess college, I guess. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's so how that a disorder like, works. It's like, you know, intellectually that you shouldn't be behaving this way, but you mm-hmm. just are. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. And that yeah. hadn't been like an issue for you prior to around the time you were writing this? Mm, no, not really. It was just like one year in college where I just like lost a ton of weight. Um, and it was just like, it wasn't super unhealthy, but it it was un it was unhealthy how much I was thinking about it. Sure. All the time. 
Um, like, I mean, I'm sure this happens with any, you know, any gender, but just like mm-hmm. every single day, multiple times a day, thinking about how much you want to lose weight or yeah. like have a different hairstyle and like how absolutely pointless it is to spend that much energy thinking about such a pointless basically thing so that was <laughs> yeah that was basically yeah inspo and just I being frustrated the, yeah i do get the impression that that tends to be worse on women yeah <laughs> yeah i think it happens to everyone but yeah definitely it is it has been just... a little bit of like a mental preoccupation for me over the past couple years i just turned yeah. 30 so like my metabolism is finally not mm. uh it's not a shortcut like it used to be i guess right right and yeah that's another thing too i feel like i mean me versus my partner who's a male like Mm -hmm. he can eat whatever he wants and i'm constantly like being like if i eat what you eat i am not gonna feel good about myself (laughs) like (laughs) so yeah it is a little bit harder but i'm i'm basically i mean i'm somewhat over that now of course i still Mm -hmm. think about it a little bit every day but it doesn't affect me the way it used to yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. When I first was reading this, I thought it maybe was directed at an individual. Because I, I guess that's just where I go automatically when I read something like, what do you want from me? Yeah. But I mean, it can be, too. It's more of a too. societal thing in this yeah. case. It can be, you know, and it's possible it was, like, hmm. you know, an ex or, like, a, a specific, like, maybe someone who had rejected me. I really don't remember, but... When I think about it, it's more of just, like, society, yeah. Sure. A larger... The man. The man. <laughs> yeah. But the will. figurative man, not, like... Yes. Not a man. Yes. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> Does that kind of thing um, motivate a lot of your songwriting? You know, it's kind of come up a few times... Usually, I've as of late, I've been really getting into the angry cathartic. You know, for a, for a while there, it was like the sad cathartic songs. Sure. And then I kind of got to the angry cathartic songs. So it's like, there was one song I wrote that was like, do not touch my money. <laughs> and I wrote that about apartments downtown. Oh, if nice. you're familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, very open about... The inspo for that, which to me, the figurative, the man, to mm-hmm. me, that's, you know, I'm at some sort of manifestation apartments downtown of the man, capitalism. Um, yeah, I mean, real and, estate in Iowa City is absolutely a predatory presence, especially yep. for like students. Yep. I did not know better for a while there. And I'm like, wow. Well, they I take know advantage now. of that. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's another one that I wrote recently that's about, I mean, it's basically just about how I do not identify physically with almost any women in, well, I guess, I mean, I shouldn't make women the enemy by any means, but like, (laughs) when I think of like a punk, the, the, the image of like a punk girl and like all of the, um, you know, like bands that I listen to and that mm-hmm. I love and I adore them, but they're all just like rail thin, skinny, no boobs. Like, you know, to me, that's the image of like rock. 
Yeah, kind of a heroin females, chic thing. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, it's changing, and I'm seeing more and more all the time of, like, you know, curvier women in music, women in rock, but all this kind of thing, like, where I feel like I have to work extra hard that because I don't care about those things. Like, I have no laurels on which I can rest. Some laurels look like a cig in a slinky dress. Mm. Like, to me, it's the image of, like, this, the cool, skinny punk girl, like, smoking a cigarette, every, all the, everyone's in love with her. Like, I'm, like, the goofy, the goofball, like, not as concerned tomboy a little bit, not as concerned about keeping up an image. So, that's, like, I, I do, I do feel like sometimes I have to work extra hard to make up for the fact that I don't have, like, gorgeous selfies on my Instagram that everyone's gonna like and gonna follow me because I'm I'm so beautiful and have great style but also by the end of the song it's about how I think having those um I guess not being as concerned with that has made me a better person because I think I'm funnier smarter like i try to like i make up for what i don't care about appearance wise in other ways like by being more creative like i don't rest on my appearance um you have a less you have a less marketable appearance yeah at least from like the stuff that you were consuming when you were i guess getting into this kind of music yes which then i think i have to work harder in other ways to make mm -hmm. up for that which in the end, of, and you know, that goes like for anything, you know, if you feel like you're not the beautiful girl in the group who can just get by by being beautiful and cool, like maybe you're funnier. Sure. Or you know, maybe somehow you like manifest your coolness in other ways. And, like, yeah, I if you res- feel insecure in, in, in one way, then you yeah, exactly. tend to work on some other skill or attribute. Yeah, which I don't think is a bad thing, you know? No. And I, I think know. the most the most common insecurity for probably anyone is appearance. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good go-to. We've been talking go-to about insecurity. it a lot. <laughs> for real. It's Weight true. and and beauty and all that kind of stuff. For real, it's top of mind. Like, I the the amount of times I've thought in my head I'm not beautiful enough versus the amount of times where I've thought I'm not intelligent enough, mm-hmm. like just doesn't make any sense. Because I know I I value intelligence, integrity, you know, activism, like all these other things more than I value beauty. But I'm always thinking about appearance more, mm-hmm. which just doesn't make sense. Your own appearance. You're not thinking about my it own appearance. Ter- not in yeah. like judging other people and their contributions, but oh yeah, no, just myself. Mm-hmm. And is that like? You're thinking about the way other people would perceive you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. I'm going to go backwards by one. I'm going to keep looking at your songs on Bandcamp. I listened to all of them this morning just to make sure I was like, I have them at the top of my mind. A blessed morning. So the the one that you released uh, most recently before What Do You Want From Me is Workplace Zombies. You released that on August 30th. So again, a pretty recent one. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Oh, you're donating the proceeds for this one, which is very admirable. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're donating to the uh, shelter house, which helps people who have housing issues. Yep. Great place. So before I before I ask you anything really, like what is Workplace Zombies? What is your conception of this song? Yes. So the story of this song was I got a, a full-time job for that I had for approximately one week. <laughs> and it was just the most boring, stale, toxic, like just from one week, just that company and that work environment was just so not my style. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting a new car. What kind of car are you getting? Oh, look at this picture of my dog. Talks about dog for 20 minutes, which, I mean, I love dogs. <laughs> but sometimes I think they are just the default conversation. Mm. And I'm over here trying to be like, whoa, what is life? Like, you know, let's really talk about some real stuff. And it's just yeah. like, you're having those early get my 20s nails questions. Done. Yeah, I'm going to get my <laughs> nails done. You want to get sushi later? Like, all of this. So, basically, I quit. That job. I you said bought you, a MIDI. You worked there for about a week? Yeah. Mm. I bought a MIDI controller. I made a beat. And then I, I made a song about that job. So um, this was like immediately following quitting yeah. the job. I was like, let me get something out of it. At <laughs> sure. least a song. Yeah. Um, was that one week paycheck at full time at least? Like something yes, nice? Yes, I did. Okay. I'd get I did get the cash money. Um thank goodness post. Which you know, I you know, whoever has the job, like I respect it, like for sure, good for you, like you're into this. It was just for me, it just like I'm trying to get deeper than this, people, and just you know, no one there was no work culture to me and yeah, it was basically just about that. Yeah. I understand if you don't want to get too specific, but like what kind of work was it? It was basically telemarketing. Okay. That can <laughs> yeah. be real real tough. <laughs> yeah. It was tough. That's why I'm like totally respect to anyone who can do it. Maybe I would have stuck with it if I felt more attached to again the work culture. Uh but it was just not it was not for me, this mm -hmm. place, so yeah, well, kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And just, yeah. you know, the 9 to 5. Like, just 9 to 5, just black out, 9 to 5, get home, be dead tired. Yeah. Go back the next day, black out, that sort of situation. Yeah, I just talked about that on the last episode of this with uh, Yanis. We talked about how, Sam? like... Yeah. <laughs> I, I decided I'm going to call him Yanis from now on. Cause it's a dope name. He kind of, like, bounces back and forth between what he prefers... But mm. at, at that moment when I asked him, he preferred his first name. So I'm going to stick with that for now. Cool. And we talked about how like having a regular job like that, like a regular schedule, it can be beneficial because you're like at the same place from this time to this time. Mm -hmm. And you can like arrange the rest of your life around that. But also we felt like there's kind of like a limited amount of time where you can really handle that without it having some sort of detrimental effect on you mentally yeah. slash emotionally 
Yeah. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> yeah, I I had a job full time for uh almost 5 years and I ended up having to leave. It just <laughs> working at a desk from what was it 8 to 5 every day and it's just yeah. I've I've got other interests I need to pursue during these hours, I think. Right. But let me do what I did with the last one. I'm going to read your lyrics to you. Hell yeah. <laughs> we'll get sort of more of your more of how you felt about the job from what you wrote about it at the time. Okay. Ready. Workplace zombies. Doggy mommies. No dreams to pursue. I know I've been there too. It's tick toxic. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that line. Thank you. Think I've lost it. All we do consume. All we do consume. I want a phone that's a color that I like. (laughs) (laughs) You type that in all caps. And I really like how you deliver it in the song. It's got a lot of like fury behind it. Pray to payday, mental decay, Netflix, sex, and booze. Christian when it's cute. Promise you don't need a new car. Yep. That's it. Yep, you mentioned the doggy mommies right away. Yeah. (laughs) It's a bit much. It's just when you, like, truly identify that as... Your soul personality, just bring up your dog as much as you can. I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't have a dog. I don't get it. But it's Mm. just like, yeah, I don't. Starbucks, cute dog, you know, that. Watching TV, talking about what TV you watched. What shows you like, you know, it just like gets kind of old, feels like it's the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. And there is like the one line that's like, I know I've been there too. Like, yeah. I mean, I do, I mean, I do everything I say in this. Like, yeah, right. And right. The, when I was, when I was getting this job, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have money. I just started buying things. I started buying <laughs> phone case, MIDI controller, you know, just started buying shit, being like, oh, I have money now. I should just spend it, which, I was also reading a book at a, at the time that is like a somewhat philosophical approach to personal finance. And basically the whole point was like, how do you make just enough money that, you know, you have health care, you have emergency savings, you know, how do you make just enough and then you can use the rest of your time? You know, time is your only true resource was basically the whole point of it, which mm. I thought was, yeah really interesting and like you know i fall into consumerism holes um entertainment holes just like everyone else it's just good to like step back and analyze yourself sometimes so that was kind of this song was directed at myself as much as it was at anyone else sure and again it's like a bigger societal issue Mm -hmm. that you're observing is that well, and if you think about those other people who's, uh, I guess what they discuss to kind of pass the time or like relate to each other, you know, it's their dogs. It's what they watch on Netflix. Mm-hmm. They too are exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. And only really have time for those things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we crave mindless activities, especially like 
he worked a long day. I just did it the other day. I worked for eight hours and then I came home and watched Pen 15 for three hours. So it's like, like, I get it. Like, I think it's, we're conditioned to accept this as our lifestyles when mm-hmm. we shouldn't be, basically. Right. Yeah. Which is, it's not an original thought. It's just like something that, especially having worked this job where I'm like, literally, how do people do this? for more than two weeks like how are you guys doing this this is so awful so that was just top of mind (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah we get stuck in these jobs because we have to pay for food etc and then that sucks up all our time all of our mental capabilities and then i mean we have to try to be happy somehow right (laughs) debt is debt is crazy i'm pretty privileged i don't Sure. I'm not in debt, but just like how controlling it can be. I I just it's like hard to even comprehend like the cycle of debt and like yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate too. Although now that we're on the subject, I'm thinking about how I haven't made a student loan payment since February. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, that's going to happen again at some point. <laughs> it's coming back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, let's go back, like, as far as possible. Um, I tend to ask people on this show, like, how they got started in music. So, when did you get into music? Maybe, like, the first time you performed, first time you maybe were in a choir or ensemble or something? Well, I have always been interested in performing. Um, I will blame my parents because... They exposed me to really great music at a young age um, and continued to, like, my dad shows me the coolest bands. Like, it's not me showing him (laughs) the OCs and Ty Siegel. It's him being like, hey, I got you tickets for the show. You should go. Oh, nice. And then I go, and I'm like, why do you know this? (laughs) (laughs) So your dad is cooler than you? Why do you know about this super sick? Yes, literally. I say it all the time. I own up to it. (laughs) Um. So that, yeah, I was blessed with that, but I mean, like, as far back as I can remember, there's, like, videos of me writing songs, performing them, doing dances. Um, I started dancing when I was really young. I did choir the whole time you do choir. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, eventually did show choir and jazz choir and dance team. Basically, anything that related to music I was doing, besides band, I did quit band. Um, but you were in band. I was in band when I was in middle school. It was fun. Um, but I was also doing sports. It was kind of a lot. Mm. And also, like, reflecting back on it, it was like, I don't know if I would say it's sexist or it was just very hands-off. But the girls always had to play the freaking bells while the guys got all of the snare drum. So you were a percussionist. Yes. The guys got all the snare drum and the auxiliary percussion and the cymbals. And I got so sick of it. Hmm. I'm like, I don't want to play this xylophone anymore. Mm -hmm. Even though it was the hardest instrument to play, which is like, you know, that's why the girls had to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Your gender is melodically uh, inclined. I don't know what it was. Or just like the group... Or just because we constantly had to keep playing the bells because the guys would just run over and grab all the cool 
snare drum parts. And they just like, want okay, to like, hit sticks on things loudly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Total, total tween dude thing <laughs> to pursue. Well, I, I won't throw like all band directors under the bus, but there is, yes, some inherent sexism in in the way that those groups are directed. Like, girls typically have to play like the higher woodwinds. It's not that they have to. It just like it ends There's up just that sort way. of a. And it's not always, like, a person telling you, like, you should play the flute. It's, like, you see girls playing the flute, and it's, like, I guess that's the one I play. Yep. Yeah. I do remember, like, I wanted to play the tuba, like, when they sent, you know, the instruments, all the kids got to test it for the first time in, like, fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted to play the big giant one, Yeah. um, but I couldn't do the... The buzzing. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what we were supposed to do, so I couldn't make a sound. So they're like, ah, "You're not going to do that." As long if so you can't I'm, do it in the first two minutes, like you're never. <laughs> I'm like, no one told me how to do it. They just yeah. expected us to jump in. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just play the sticks, I guess. Um, so yeah, I started doing percussion, and then yeah, I think it was honestly they would just like throw all the percussion parts they'll be like all right percussion sheet music is on this table back there and then the guys would all run over and grab all the timpani and snare ones and then the girls would just be like all right here there was one time though where we did a beach boy song i don't remember which one mm-hmm. and they wanted to have a trap set and so we all auditioned to play the trap set yeah you this got guy. it nope. <laughs> it's pretty that was my 15 minutes of fame yeah, how'd you do? I nailed it. Um yeah. Which says that my dad actually taught me, like, you know, like the most basic drum beat because we had a drum set in my house. Okay. So he taught me the most basic one before that, that was even a thing. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. You had a little and bit I of auditioned. an advantage. Yeah. I did, yeah. Do you still drum at all? I have up here, there is a drum set. Um, I have let people use it. It's actually like my parents, it's my dad's drum set and they like Mm -hmm. want it back. So don't, don't tell them. Um, like I've let other guys borrow it and along the way it's just lost parts and pieces. So I kind of have to put it back together. Um, every now and then I'll hop on someone else's set, but it's not really anything I'm pursuing. So sure. Yep. Well, More I, just I, the beat pad. Sure, the electronic, yeah. Yeah. I dragged you down the the band path. Uh, do you remember what else you were talking about before that? Oh, okay. So my journey, music mm-hmm. journey. Um, and also a thing I was doing while I was in high school was I was obsessed with Instagram at a very young age. But it's people crazy would to me like, that Instagram existed when you were in high school. <laughs> Yep, it did. I I literally vividly remember when it like first came out. Same with Snapchat. But with Instagram, I was like, oh my god. You just put a filter on it and it looks amazing. Right. I just, I was off to the races right away. Um, But I would like take requests from people and then I would post like a singing video and I'd play piano. I took piano lessons when I was really young and now I, I just got the chords from it. Mm-hmm. So I'd play piano and, like, sing the requested songs, and people would request more, and then, you know, one thing led to another. Eventually, I, like, wrote my own song, and then I posted that, and people really, like, it was, were really receptive to 
the idea of me writing songs. So I kind of just like did a few more and did a few more. And then I went to college at Belmont in Nashville my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Fell in love with rock music, contemporary, psych rock music. I went to a lot of house shows. And then I came to Iowa. And that's when I actually started like songwriting and playing shows. I guess I never asked you where you're from. I'm from Norwalk, Iowa. Okay, so you are an Iowa native. Yep. I don't really like that language, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) you're from Iowa. You were born here. Yes, yes. Yeah. I've seen a lot of pushback against those uh, bumper stickers with the state of Iowa yeah. and the word native. And I yeah, just the word native. Just... Criticism is accurate. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, I didn't think about it before, but I'm like, yeah, no, that totally probably wasn't the word. No, for we're, we're not uh, native. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> accurate. Yeah. Uh, so you said you got into rock music when you went to college. How would mm-hmm. you, I guess, describe the songs you were writing prior to that? Oh, God. I mean, I don't even know, like, what genre they would even be. Mm-hmm. Especially because I would, I would, I didn't know how to play guitar at all, so I would just, like, play chords on the piano and just, like, I mean, I would just say literally songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, real simple, like, chord and then yeah. you sing a melody over it? Yeah, pretty cool. much. Um, which, you know, I mean, it's not nothing, but I didn't really have, like, a vision or, like, you know, what, what it, would this sound like recorded? But, mm-hmm. you know, I listened to a lot of, like, Lana and Amy Winehouse at that time. So those are probably more of my inspos than anything. Um, but, yeah, like, Nashville, obviously, crazy good music scene, um, crazy good house show scene. And I was, I was like a little dweeb my freshman year. I was not cool at all. Like, exclusively wore clothes from, like, Target. Like, <laughs> um... That's cool, just, huh? <laughs> I I was just so extra with my personality, because I was, like, trying to, like, I don't know, meet people and... Yeah, like what we were talking about earlier. Be an impressive like, person. Yeah. No, not, so not much focus on your appearance, but you just make up for it with your self. Yeah, I was being extra. But even then, like... You know, I think people, the people around me, you know, could tell that I was, like, sort of had interests and, in, like, some cool stuff. And, like, you know, I loved the Beatles. And, you know, I had, I had decent, I had decent music taste. And I think people, like, could understand that about me besides me being just, like, a total weirdo. So I went to a lot of house shows. They were really cool. Um, I mean, it was almost always just, like, white dudes playing rock music but mm-hmm. you know so be it um and it, then it's, it's a very powerful uh industry <laughs> yeah um but yeah i i mean i fell in love with like diy my first year in nashville and then i just saw some of the best shows i went and saw eagles of death metal i saw ty siegel for the first time fell in love with ty siegel is one of my favorites now um just saw a lot of great shows that year. So that definitely had a huge impact on me. And then when I came to Iowa, I just like had a better sense of who I was and the kind of music I wanted to make. And it just progressed there. Mm-hmm. 
is that around like when you started playing guitar more? Where, when did you yeah. pick up a guitar, I guess? Um, like tiny, tiny bits my freshman year. And then the summer after my freshman year, quite a bit. And then just more and more after that. And it was all just like, and I had learned to play the ukulele first, mm-hmm. which is my dark past, but <laughs> no, ukuleles are cool. They're a great place to start. Yeah, there's nothing wrong um, with that. It's a, and it was yeah. a foundation of your guitar future. Yeah, it is. It is a great transition. And like, you know, I mean, d- literally just having tiny hands, like it's oh, intimidating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating. Like just going straight to a bar chord and being like, no, <laughs> it'll <laughs> never happen. No. Yeah. Which now I can. I can do it now. It's been a journey, but yeah, it started humble beginnings. That's a big hurdle. Yeah. To taught myself. be able to slam your index finger down like that. <laughs> <laughs> amount of pressure it requires. Yeah, it's... Still hard sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I barely play guitar anymore, so if I try a bar chord, it's like, I've got I've got maybe five minutes, and then I'm going to have to stop. Oh, my gosh. And the guitar I had, like, the first one was an acoustic guitar, and, like, the action was so high, mm-hmm. and I had no idea what action was, you know? Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, my God, are all guitars like this? Oh, this is so hard. Like, I just thought it was normal. But then eventually, you know, I got this, or wherever it is, my electric guitar. It was, like, way easier, mm-hmm. more fun. So, you learn. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, we've been talking for, I think we're getting close to an hour now, which is typically, like, my standard for these. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about your vision of the future, your hopes for the future. What's something you want to do that you haven't done yet or, like, you're working towards? Well, Avi released music, um, but I think the big the big thing for me right now is finally coming into the genre I want to be a part of, filling the niche that I want to fill, um... So, like, we have a show on Thursday at the Apple Orchard, mm-hmm. which will be interesting, but it's the only show I've had since however long. And, like, we just had our first full band practice today because of a lot of things. But, you know, finally finding the right people to play with, with the right same interests as mine, and a similar vision of what I want to do. And that this is like the first time that's really felt like it's been happening. So that's big. And just like moving forward with that, like playing this is today was the first time this new formation of people have played together. Mm -hmm. And like, I was just like, so excited about it. Like I was having so much fun, like finally getting into the genre in style I wanted to be in. So that's big. Um, and then being able to perform the way I want to perform, I'm so sorry, um, is something, I mean, I want to play shows really bad, mm-hmm. which is going to be some time, but <laughs> yeah, I guess just not to be cliche, but finding the sound, finding my sound is what what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. When you say... 
uh, performing the way that you want to perform. Do you have like a specific something in mind? Yes. Um, Ty Siegel, KEXP, the baby mask, <laughs> the like licorice whip or whatever. It's just more like being the like performance artist. And I've always, beyond just music being something I've gravitated to, performance. Mm-hmm. has been something i gravitated to like when i was a kid and i was talking about dance, dance. Like, yeah yeah i was always the one doing like the crazy faces i was always doing crazy extra like facials and mm-hmm. that, like people like that i didn't even know would be like oh you're that little girl who makes all the faces <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's just always something like make making people feel something with the way that you perform and present yourself so I'm trying to do some more kooky, some weird, make people uncomfortable, make people feel outside of themselves, you know. I think I think there's room for everyone but women especially to feel more comfortable to not just be standing there and looking good. Sure. You know? Yeah. And there are a lot of women right now who are paving the way women trans and non-binary folks who are paving the way for everyone else to start doing that more so try to ride that train yeah it sounds like i don't know if character is the right word but it sounds like you want to develop your penny peach like stage maybe persona is better than character for sure yeah yeah i like character too yeah it's there's so much you can do with the show. It doesn't have to be just standing there and playing music, you know. I've I feel like I have a lot of interest in being a a rounded artist. You know, I have a lot of interest beyond music, like visuals, mm-hmm. photography, graphic design, art. So I want to like move more into being like a bona fide artist as a person versus just being like a musician who goes on stage and plays guitar and sings. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Mm-hmm. That's sort of. And I think that's probably a good way to think about live performance because the way that people listen to music now is, is very much like detached. Like you just can stream whatever you want all day and you don't have to, actively like seek it out so yeah if you want people to like want to be at a show you should probably think about offering something like in addition to just the songs right right and it is yeah you know there's a reason we love david bowie there's a reason we love prince there's a reason we love madonna you know it's beyond just it's beyond just having great music but being unique and interesting, thoughtful, provocative people. Right. Just in right. general. So that's something I think is worth exploring for everyone, you know? Just keep pushing yourself in all directions, not just in making your music better, more hi-fi or more accessible or whatever, but like how in every aspect of your life can you become a better artist? And, and you know, 
make an impact on people through that. Yeah, you don't have to box yourself in just because you decided you were a musician when you were a teenager. (laughs) Right. You can also be interested in the other aspects of uh, artistic, creative uh, presentation. Right. Mm -hmm. Ramona Lambert, Ramona Muse Lambert. I don't know if anyone knows who that is, but... Or like the Karen Meat, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Do some weird shit. Get freaky. Like, I, who is Ramona Lambert? I know that name. That's she. She's a Des Moines-based artist. Yeah. Okay. And like, okay. Yeah. Crazy costumes, and you know she's just an artist. Like she illustrates. She like does all sorts of interesting things. She sent me this cool, like adorable postcard of like her <laughs> family, and like she's been making masks and doing and teaching. Just like. Takes It has a lot of different mediums, which I think is interesting, and she just lives the lifestyle of an artist, it, it seems. Mm-hmm. She just she is all for creativity and creative thinking in all ways. You know, like, you know, Karen Meat, like the performance art, the, like, stage persona, like the dry, sometimes, like, monotone speaking or, you know, like... Choreography, costume, stage mm-hmm. design, all that good stuff. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Karen meets the kind of thing where like you'd have to you have to go to a show if you want like everything that she's offering. You can't right. just listen to what she recorded. Like there's more to it. Yeah. I mean the music's cool, but like there is more <laughs> that yeah. you you can take in if you if you want the full thing. Yeah, and I totally respect people who are literally just all about the music, and I know a lot of them and friends with a lot of them. I just think my interests are in getting a little weirder in all mm-hmm. ways. So mm-hmm. that's just who yeah. I am. I can't help it. You're expanding in multiple directions. <laughs> the people watching the video are definitely going to benefit a lot from the past few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think there's there's a lot more that we could talk about but i think that we should leave the audience wanting you know yeah that's wanting more. that's what they tell you to do yeah it's to leave them wanting more so uh ellie if you were to direct people listening to this somewhere to find some of your work where would you like them to look okay well as i mentioned before i'm a huge instagram hoe um to a fault at at times um so you can follow me on instagram you can follow my band camp you can sign up for my mailing list not really sure where to direct you to do that but <laughs> is that through um, your band camp or do you have a... uh, uh, you know what scratch that i don't even know where you can sign up so <laughs> uh yeah follow me on Bandcamp. follow me on instagram that was that that would be my suggestion to okay. you and keep an eye out for a potential future mailing list. Yep. <laughs> I'll figure out where to post that or something. I have it. I just don't use it. So. Cool. All right. And I'll link your Instagram and Bandcamp in the uh, description of this episode once I upload it. Thank you. Oh, also, if I, if I were to include one of your songs at the end to just kind of play us out, which one should Ooh. I use? May as well. May as well do what do you want from me. Okay, the most recent one. I think that's a yeah. good idea. Mm-hmm. Fresh. And it's got like a really nice kind of like guitar. It's almost like Black Sabbath or something. 
just oh, like you're just like riffing, your mouth. You know? thank you <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. We're about to go full doomsday on, like, mm. the next song we record. So yeah, cool. buckle up, everyone. Cool, cool. Uh, if you want to hear more of Ellie's voice, again, she does host Best Show Ever, the Angler podcast. Highly recommend episode number seven. It features me. <laughs> yes. I do as well. <laughs> and if you want more of this stuff, uh, everything that's ever been released under the i hear i see banner you can find that at i hear i see.com i think that's all for us today thanks for listening thanks for watching if you are a patreon subscriber and thanks once again to ellie hoffmeyer penny peach thank you Justin. junior for king. joining me today <laughs> all right have a good one ellie mm-hmm.